This episode of Warp 5 is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for iPhone, iPad and iPod, Android, Kindle, Windows Phone, plus Mac or PC. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hi, I'm Anthony Montgomery, Ensign Travis Mayweather on Star Trek Enterprise, and you're listening to Trek FM. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Warp 5, our dedicated Enterprise show. I'm Christopher Jones, and joining me again this week for the first time in a little while is Tyler Johnson. Tyler, I understand that Section 31 has been keeping you extremely busy on that secret mission that you mentioned a while back. Yes, they've been making me eat out at a lot of fancy restaurants and um, follow around dignitaries. It's very difficult, very difficult. A lot of rise at work right now. All right. Well, again, be careful about those shape-shifting females in the dance club. (laughs) Right. All right. So it's last time you were here, we talked about prequel design on Enterprise. And today we have another different type of show to talk about. And we also, you and I talked a while back about season five and storylines that we would have wanted to see in that mythical season. But unfortunately, we only got four seasons. But despite having 98 episodes to enjoy, there are, just as there are in all the series, a number of undeveloped stories that could have fallen into seasons one through four, but didn't. And these are not like the season five proposed stories, which were the, this is what I would have done if you had given me another year. These are ideas that were pitched and considered sometimes more seriously than others and then abandoned. And today, I wanted to talk to you about those stories and see what we think about these ideas. Yeah, this is really fun to me. I mean, this is I have a little bit of a love-hate relationship with these kinds of ideas um, in the fact that, well, they probably didn't get made for reason or when you, whatever you imagine in your head is probably different than what would end up on screen, just like if you heard the initial pitch for any of the other episodes that actually did make it to air. Um, but then I can't get enough of them. <laughs> right. <laughs> Please give me more. Well, let's jump in. We have a list here of, I don't know, how many we have here? Like eight, nine different concepts that were considered, but ultimately not created. Now, the first one are more stories about boomers. You know, Travis Mayweather, he was a boomer. And that was like a big thing at the beginning of Enterprise that he grew up on a ship. He grew up in space. And at that point in time, humans were not really exploring space. Mainly, they were just doing cargo runs. And those ships were relatively slow. So they weren't getting very far away from Earth. And and even the routes they were running would take months or years for them to traverse. Would you have wanted to see more boomer stories, especially in the first season of Enterprise? Yeah, we talked about this on another episode that I wanted to see more boomer stories. I think I think it's very interesting. I think, I mean, part of me, the very pragmatic part, wonders how they made money 
by mm-hmm. shipping something that took right? years and years to deliver. Yeah. <laughs> right? You would think um, the value of I, it would change by the time they get there with it, right? Right. Yeah. And well, not only that, but, um, you know, it's just the cost involved to do it one way and then the other. And what yeah. is so valuable that Earth has that somebody else doesn't have? Um, so I think there's a lot of interesting stuff to explore there. But I think even more importantly, these are some of the real pioneers. These are some of the the people who are out there with no support and with nothing and just figuring it out in ships with very little weaponry that are very slow. And so I would love to see more boomer stuff. One of my thoughts on it, and this was echoed by Rick and Brandon on the Blu-rays, was that it's a cool idea, but once humans have this Warp 5 ship and they're out there exploring space, suddenly being a boomer, there's not it's not such a special thing anymore because now we're really getting out there into deep space. It, it feels like something that is, once you do it once or twice then it has value, but but quickly, within the context of Enterprise anyway, the way that season one unfolded, it quickly loses its special nature. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I mean, I can see why they didn't include more. I think it, you know, it makes more sense to see other aliens and to get out to some new places and explore some other cultures. Um, so I get it. I, I thought the boomers were fun, mm-hmm. but I, you know, I, th- I think it'd be a good you know, small arc or they, sh- they could have been in a lot more stories. Let me put it that way. Like there's stuff that's going on that would have been interesting for them to show up in at, at different times. And there were, there's very mm-hmm. little of that. Another thing about it is like, I agree with you. They were the pioneers and, and that's very interesting from the perspective of enterprise as a prequel and how we actually got out there into space. Now we've talked about on here before the, the fact that, Rick and Brandon originally wanted to have the first season of Enterprise take place primarily on Earth, and the Enterprise mm-hmm. would be under construction, and it would be more about how we actually get out there into space during that first season. Within that context, maybe there would have been room for more boomer stories. And I think from just from a storytelling perspective, I think it could be quite interesting. I don't know if it would have caught on with Star Trek fans, though, and their expectations of what a Star Trek series should be about. Do do you see it that way as well? You know, it, it's hard to look back on that. And, I, you know, I, I, I've i done enough of these now, um, of these episodes, that I think anyone who's listened to a few might realize I'm not your typical Star Trek fan in the sense that a lot of things that other people seem to be upset about, a lot of those I actively like, and I'm not mm-hmm. speaking for you, but I think you might say the same about some of this, like this mm-hmm. is different. And they, they thought about it as its own series. Mm-hmm. And it would have been interesting to see um, exactly where they were going. Um, having said that, I kind of like the fact that, you know, a lot happens in the first episode, the, you know, the pilots got a lot going on and they're out in space right away. And I think that's kind of cool too. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what they had to do for Star Trek, they had to get us out mm-hmm. there. You know, some people feel like the, the Klingons showed up too soon. I mean, I think even mm-hmm. Rick and Brandon maybe feel that way a little bit in the things that they've said, but but that is what Star Trek fans were looking for, though. So we got out there. So, well, okay, boomer yeah. stories, boomers. And I meant to say this up front for those who didn't already catch on. Boomer is just an Earth slang for a person who spent their entire life on spaceships running cargo and we get to see a couple of those ships on enterprise we get to see the ecs fortunate and the ecs horizon 
we get to uh, see Travis go there and, and see his family a little bit. And, and I love the fact that we get to see them playing football in low gravity as they toss the pigskin around in space. Yeah, I'm just doing some quick definition searches, and I guess that really is just a sci-fi term. That's There's not a whole lot of uh, you know dictionary basis for calling them boomers. But I also think one of the things about the boomers not really be coming around much, the, the one who, who suffered from that was Travis. Yeah. In the sense that his character just didn't get developed quite as much as some of the other ones out there. Yeah, because that was his deal, right? Mm-hmm. That's who he was going to be. All right. Well, uh, they say that they did have another story or two planned for the boomers. Uh, Brandon Braga said this, but we decided not to delve too much into meeting humans all the time. They also mentioned they felt this might put the show too close to Earth, and they wanted the Enterprise to be out there more uh, in space than, than being so close to Earth. So I get all of that. Now, the next thing we have here, this one's very interesting to me. This one is what I call Floxenstein. This is a story that was going to be sort of like Frankenstein. And this was uh, pitched by Jack Trevino. And it was going to involve Phlox being compelled by a powerful force to create Frankenstein-type creatures out of six different species including humans. <laughs> what do you think about this? Uh, on the face of it, this sounds patently ridiculous <laughs> and, and very hard for me to visualize an episode that I would like. Um, you know, but having seen some creative things through from beginning to end, I understand that may not be exactly what would have come out, but um, I see why maybe this one didn't quite get out of the pitch room. I think it's, it's, there's something there and it's interesting. And there are certainly a number of horror themed episodes, but this one doesn't quite capture my fancy like some of these other undeveloped scripts that they were talking about. <laughs> it, it is a weird idea, although I think it would fit in very well with Brandon Braga's love of horror. And I also think that it has the potential to have a TOS feel to it. Because if you think of something like Who Mourns for Adonais, for example, or Plato's Stepchildren, mm -hmm. you know, we have these stories where they play off of Greek mythology. And the, you know, the original title of Mary Shelley's novel was Frankenstein or the Modern Prometheus. And most of the time these days when you see the book published, they drop the, the subtitle. But Prometheus was a titan in Greek mythology who created mankind at the behest of Zeus. And in this idea here that flocks would be compelled by some sort of powerful force or some alien force uh, to create this creature out of six different races in a sense at the behest of these aliens is I think a way that they could have tied into Greek mythology in the way that the original series did. And there may have actually been something here that it would have been a strange episode, but also could have been interesting and had that TOS feel and connection. Yeah, and you know what? It kind of makes sense for his character in the sense that he had all those different, you know, alien species around and, and animals, uh -huh. you know, and it was always doing different things with them. And so, it, you know, it, it wouldn't be completely out of character for him to start doing weird <laughs> things with them because everything already seems sort of weird. You know, that's part of part yeah. of his the joy of his character. He said, what? Like, this is like leeches, but you're using it, you know, in, in the far future. This is really interesting. 
I can just see Porthos with bat wings and <laughs> I don't know, Travis's head or something. I don't know, flying around sick bay. Right. What would it be? Um it seems interesting to me though. Plus, I think Trip could be the director because you know how much he loves horror movies and he loves Frankenstein. And there was the time when he got Chef to do the the marathon where they showed mm-hmm. Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, and Son of Frankenstein, who Trip says are right. the three greatest horror movies ever. You know, I think this is why this episode scares me a little bit, is because I feel like in other sci-fi shows they would watch that movie and they get sucked into it somehow. <laughs> oh, <laughs> become yeah. Become characters in it. <laughs> They're suddenly on the other you know, side it, of the screen, yes. Yeah, exactly. Or or it, it, it you know, the, it takes over the computer. The computer has, loses some little bit of memory and it pulls in the Frankenstein movie that it's playing at the same time, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and everything goes haywire. So I'm just, that, that plot scares me a little bit. But the idea of like a, a you know, a creature made out of six different species sounds kind of cool. I like your idea because now I'm picturing they could do it like they did with the Captain Proton stories on Voyager and they could do the whole episode in black and white if they get mm-hmm. sucked in. Like they all gather there for movie night on the NX-01 and they get sucked in, like you said, and then it's all black and white. I feel like at the end the reveal is they've been on a holodeck the whole time and that none of it was ever real. Was somebody in the future writing a hollow novel <laughs> about about what happened on the NX-01. Oh, the entire series is is someone's oh, even, novel. Oh, I was just thinking this one episode. Oh, but okay. yeah, that well, that would really deflate everything. <laughs> Trip wakes up in bed. It's like the end of New Heart. It's all a dream. So right, yeah, <laughs> that could be interesting. All right, t- tell us about this next one here. We were we were trying before the show to figure out what the angle was on this. Okay, so um, apparently Connor Trenier, Trip was pitching basically a Pulp Fiction type story. And um, uh, Linda Park talked about this in Star Trek Communicator. But it was the idea is that the whole thing was told from the perspective of aliens and they wouldn't be able to understand the crew, which I think is kind of cool in the sense that you always see it from the other side. Mm-hmm. You see us not understanding other aliens. But we're not really sure what they meant. And I, we both did some digging around by what they meant by a Pulp Fiction type story. Um, you know, there's a lot of things there. One of the aspects is it's told out of order. Mm-hmm. One of the aspects is that there's multiple threads that interconnect in different ways or don't, um, you know, and, and so it'd be interesting to see what he meant by that exactly. But as someone who loves Tarantino and Pulp Fiction, I, I, it's off to a great start from my perspective. Yeah. Yeah. The, the idea of telling the narrative out of chronological order was one of the things that I thought could be pulled from that, uh, but that's a Tarantino style. And it could make for an interesting episode. I was also thinking of having it be very stylized visually, but I thought that that would feel really weird within the context of the series, but it might be very interesting just as a standalone concept. Yeah, it's almost like if you think about it in your head and you just think you know, you just smash together Pulp Fiction and Enterprise. Mm -hmm. Some really weird things come out. It seems like a Simpsons episode. And so (laughs) I I doubt that that's the direction they were going. Um, And when they say Pulp Fiction, I I assume that's not the, that sort of singular nonlinear moment where they say, uh, okay, we don't have a good opening for this. So we're going to open at the, at the climax of the show. And then immediately after the credits say 36 hours earlier and go back to that. Right. And so you sort of a cop out to not having a great opening. Yeah. Um, Pulp fiction really had a great opening and then they brought that opening back later, but all this other stuff happened in between as well. 
And I would love to quote some things, but I don't know how much I can quote from Pulp Fiction. All my favorite uh, quotes are not necessarily family-friendly in some really <laughs> heavy-duty ways. I mean, not <laughs> not a couple of ris- risque words, right? It's um, it's completely off the charts, most of them. Well, the thing about this concept is that because we would be seeing the story as it's described in the in the pitch, we would be seeing the story from the alien's perspective, and the Enterprise crew would be speaking gibberish. They can get as profane as they want. They can drop as many <laughs> F-bombs or whatever they want in the episode, and it would be fine for Star Trek because it'd be gibberish. No one would know what they're saying. Right. I, I do like, the, you know, whatever else was going to come of it, uh, what they meant by Pulp Fiction. I do like this idea that the aliens are sort of the protagonists, and I think that that's something that wasn't done a lot or isn't done enough, um, and I think it's... You know, there's something there, and obviously this was just a pitch they were running around mm-hmm. the, the, the lot with, but um, I think this could have been developed into something really interesting. Yeah, it's quite possible. However, I have, I have two demands if they were to do this. First of all, the leader of the aliens must be played by John Travolta. That's something <laughs> that I'm very insistent on. Yeah, well, you, you know, if you go back and watch that movie, there's a lot of people who became big stars or who were medium-sized stars in small roles all through it. Um, and, and Or people, you know, that was John Tavolta's comeback. So I think mm-hmm. you should go another way. I think they should find somebody who's been down on his luck, um, who is, is a great actor and people have forgotten about, who has a real big head of hair, <laughs> right? And just bring him back in for that episode and um you know but and have him be stylish and cool and i wonder if they meant you know that maybe because pulp fiction had a lot of hitmen too so i wonder if that was maybe an aspect of it that i thought would be kind of interesting so so a big head full of hair uh, I'm, I'm thinking beaker from the muppet show we have not seen him <laughs> around in quite a while plus you right. wouldn't know what he was saying either Right. right. Or animal also animal animal would be he great acted as much for a while animal would fit perfectly um, into this concept Although you might be a little behind uh, in Japan, there there is a new Muppet movie that came out I think in the last two weeks here. So okay, I, I did hear about it's that. It's been resurrected, so we're gonna have to find somebody else whose whose pay grade isn't quite as high right now. Okay, um, the, and then the other side of it, I, they did do that in um, Firefly at some point, where they had a, a very interesting hitman, mm-hmm. you know, who was there to do a job and yeah. sort of followed him as the protagonist for for one show. Which, and so obviously you'd want to stay away from that. Which kind of fits into Firefly better than Enterprise, I think, as a yeah, story. But it's yeah. it's nice to, you know, one of the things we've talked about that we like about Enterprise is getting into the cultures and the head of some of these other aliens. Mm-hmm. And so often it is confused humans looking at them saying, oh, what's going on here? And, you know, sometimes at the end it's the smallest thing they've misunderstood. And it, it would be really cool to see it the other way around. And I think, you know, they don't need to be hitmen. They, they, it could, they could be anything. I think that'd be really fun. And, and just the fact that it was Enterprise, it would be different, you mm-hmm. know, um, in terms of how it was applied. Well, I said I had two things. One was John Travolta. The other one was that I will only watch it if Christopher Walken is in it. Oh, my God. That's, <laughs> that would be amazing. Because I just love Christopher Walken, whatever he's in. He's <laughs> right. just something captivating about him. <laughs> yeah. There, oh, my goodness. Um, there's there's that whole speech in there where he talks about this watch that belonged to, you know, his, his dad. And some guy held it up his butt in World War II. 
<laughs> to save it. Or maybe it was Vietnam. I can't remember now. But for, you know, for a year. <laughs> and I'm just imagining, <laughs> you know, uh, and again, I'm I'm not quoting because there's no there's no two words you can put together from that movie that aren't profane that are that are any fun. Um, but I think you get the idea. And so there, uh, there's. <laughs> <laughs> anything Christopher Walken says is funny, but if you give him something a little blue, it's even better. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, the next thing that we have on the list here is a TOS connection. Now, actually last week here on the show, we talked about organians on enterprise because they're one of the TOS connections that was slipped into the series and they get overlooked by so many viewers because it's in the episode observer effect. And you have to really be paying attention to, to make the connection. Oh, those are the organians. Well, in the changeling, the enterprise Kirk's enterprise encounters the space probe nomad, which was an old earth probe and nomad had collided with a meteoroid at some point and lost its memory and it encountered an alien probe called Tanru and Tanru was programmed to collect and sterilize soil samples as a way of maybe checking out planets for possible colonization. So it collided with Nomad and transferred its directives over to Nomad's memory banks and that created sort of a joint probe whose new mission was to seek out and sterilize new life. But we don't know anything about the origins of the Tanru probe. And this story that was being pitched here, which was uh, another of the stories that was being pitched by Jack Trevino, Steve Fratt, and Joseph DeLayla, would have given us the backstory of the Tanru probe. Yeah, I'm not sure how excited I am about this one. I think if if this was the entire episode, it could be a little disappointing. Um you, this is one of those I think they were looking for a lot of ways to tie into especially mm-hmm. TOS and this I, I could see you know sitting in the producer's chair and saying good idea come back with another one tomorrow yeah <laughs> I'm not so sure about this unless this was part of a larger story somehow right there's mm-hmm. you know the, they're launching a probe and the whole time they're talking about a probe and at the very end they just say the name you know but it's not really the A story it's it's the B story um, so something like that could be interesting. You're suggesting that the NX-01 might have launched Nomad on its original mission? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I could see that. Because I'm thinking... Does that work out for time? I don't know. I'd have to go yeah. check the timeline. I don't know if that works out for time. But yeah. um, I was thinking about, like, what would the story be if they encounter Tanru? Because it's, it, you're mm-hmm. right. It's not very exciting that they encounter some space probe that's just going from planet to planet to take soil samples, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, I think both of them on their own are not that interesting and they don't, you know, it's not until later that something else is is happening. And so I think Mm -hmm. there's, I don't know, it just doesn't sound like that. It it sounds like really trying to shoehorn something in. It doesn't sound like something that compelling to me. Um, But like I said, if it was the B plot or if this is one of the, this is one of those things that to me, you come up with this idea in a pitch meeting, maybe it doesn't get made. And then at some point you're writing an episode and you just want to throw away line to throw in there somewhere. And, you you know, you throw something in and pe- you know, for the people who are who are hardcore fans, they say, oh, right. OK, I get it. That has to do with this. And for people who aren't, you know, it just washes right over them and they don't really necessarily right. care. Yeah. Well, according to Trevino, they were there was every indication that that this episode was about to be sold and perhaps it would have been made 
in a fifth, sixth, or seventh season. But but I, I'm with you. Like I, I have trouble seeing how. I think it's a cool idea. Like I would like to know more. I like to fill in the blanks. So I mm-hmm. would like to know more about Tanru. But it seems like an idea that might be better for a novel. Like I can see a novel that explores the the history of the civilization that built Tanru mm-hmm. and what they were doing and why they launched it. And then there was the the um, collision with Nomad. That I can I could get into as a forty two minute television episode. I'm having a little trouble with this one myself. Yeah, I mean, maybe if there was you hit it on a good point. Maybe if they had more to do with the uh, the culture of whoever launched it, that could be interesting. But even still, you know, even still, it's, it, it's a, a long ways to go for a probe. Yeah. Yeah. I think <laughs> you know? so. It's a TV episode. Um, but then on the flip side, you know, some, when, when they were talking about um, making a new Battlestar Galactica, I thought that doesn't sound good at all. That show was okay. <laughs> right. So um, a lot of things happen in the writer's room that maybe you don't expect. And so if it was about right. to get sold, maybe it was a, uh, maybe they had a lot more than, than what they've Maybe they do. Here. Yeah. Well, let's move on to the biggie. Now, this is one (laughs) that I think everyone knows about. I'm pretty sure everyone's heard that this was something that was desired and almost happened. This was a two-parter featuring William Shatner. Yeah, this is this one I have a hard time with because I feel like trying to bring Shatner back in is is another sort of shoehorn situation. But then when you read through it, it actually sounds kind of cool, you know. So the idea is that they're trying to find a place for William Shatner and, and, and they're thinking it'd be great to have him on the series somewhere. And they think, OK, great. Here's how we do it. It's the mirror, mirror universe. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not really Captain Kirk that we know. It's the mirror universe, Captain Kirk. And um, he's the one who actually ends up on the show. And I think that's an interesting take on it. Um it is a little crazy all the places Captain Kirk has ended up. <laughs> yes. It starts it starts to be, you know, stretch the, the limits of your belief sometimes. Um, uh, and I, I, how old would Shatner have been when this was would would have been filmed? In early seventies, late sixties, something like that. Well, let's see. So he just had his birthday a couple of days ago, as we record this, and he turned eighty three. Twenty fourteen. This would have been. Well, this would have probably been a fourth season episode, right? So it would have been about 10 years ago. So yeah, it would have been about 73 at that time. Although, mm-hmm. I mean, William Shatner, I hope I look as good as William Shatner does when I'm <laughs> 73 or 83 because he still looks, as we remember him, at least from Generations Undiscovered Country, I think. Yeah, and he's he's pretty sharp still too. It, it'd be interesting to see him even... You know, in the 70s do this. But the plot of the story is essentially that the mirror universe Kirk gets sent back to the past into a penal colony of sorts. Mm -hmm. Um, And so he would have had to have been there for 50 years. Right. And the rest of it, it gets a little convoluted. Do you understand any better than I do, Chris? Because I've read through this a couple of times and I get it. I get where they're going, but there's something (laughs) at the heart of it where I feel like I get a little twisted and maybe because it's incomplete. It's yeah. It's probably because it's incomplete. It's it's described by Judith and Garfield Reeve Stevens, who are uh, a, a writing couple and two of the the best Star Trek authors of the of the literary universe over the past couple of decades, and they wrote a lot of season four on Enterprise as well. And they say, like you said, he gets sent back to a penal colony, 
And Tiberius thinks, finally, a ship with a transporter. I can get back to my own universe, my own time. Because, of course, he's remembering how they they swapped places in the first place. Um, of course, this would be the Tiberius who came over to our universe. So this would be a little bit different than In a Mirror Darkly, which takes place in the Mirror Universe entirely. This would be our universe with Tiberius trying to get back to the mirror universe, which is um, an interesting take because normally our mirror universe episodes take place in the mirror universe on on, on all the series, Deep Space Nine as well, uh, for the most part. So then he basically goes to the NX-01, he gets to the transporter, he sets it to go back to the mirror universe, but dun, 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 the mirror universe doesn't exist because it hasn't been created yet. So Tiberius and Archer work together to figure out where the division point is between the universes, what point that one split off into the other, and as it turns out, Tiberius and Archer together are responsible for the creation of the Mirror Universe. So in a, in, in a sense, it would be a prequel to Mirror Mirror saying that Tiberius, thrown back in time, working together with Captain Archer, are together responsible for the very existence of the mirror universe in the first place. So then it has sort of a, it's sort of a paradox as a temporal paradox element to it as well. Very complicated. That's, I think that's the cool part. And I think the fact that it's sort of the, the genesis of this mirror universe, because one of the things, okay, so all this stuff is, there's always a way to pick it apart. No matter anytime there's time travel, you know, anytime there's, there's multiple universes, you can definitely get in there and find things that are difficult about it. And um, in the case of Star Trek, it's always the same freaking mirror universe they're going to. And you think, wow, mm-hmm. you know, does this really make sense? Is this, would they, is, is there some reason why this one is the one they go to? And so this would be their way of going back and saying, well, here's why. And so I think that's kind of cool. Um, I, I kind of question how they get there a little bit. Um, and, mm-hmm. and that's not really been laid out in the information that they've released in terms of how it is they're creating the mirror universe. And so, yeah. you know, of course, my biggest question is the one that's not answered. Um, and I, I would be happy to see more Enterprise however we get it. But <laughs> this would be interesting <laughs> to see one to see if they were to make more. I think this one, I think there's enough here that it could have been a really interesting story. I I agree with your first statement that Initially, when you hear that we're going to bring William Shatner on, it feels kind of like trying to shoehorn William Shatner back in the series. Like, oh, if we can just get William Shatner on the show, then everyone will come watch because it's William Shatner and he's back on. But I I think anytime you use any of the characters from the original series in particular on a show... There has to be a reason for it. So when they brought Spock onto the next generation for unification, it made sense. Okay, that 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 worked. When they brought Thomas Riker on Deep Space Nine with the Defiant, that worked because that also made sense. There was a story there that you could follow and you could say, I get it. I understand Thomas Riker went, he joined the Maquis. Now he's here to pose as his transporter duplicate so he can steal a ship. That works. So I think you have to have a reason for why you would bring William Shatner back on. And I think there's enough here to say, yeah, this is a legitimate reason. And it could be kind of a cool backstory. Now, like you said, how do they get there? 
that's harder to tell, but I think that they could have figured that out, especially between Brandon Braga, Manny Cotto, and Judith and Garfield, Reeve Stevens, and everyone else working on it. I think they would have figured it out. Well, and I think this could be a really funny episode, too. I think this is one that's really ripe for some humor. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure what that is at this point. <laughs> uh, I don't, you know, the reveal of him having been in a prison colony for all those years uh, could be interesting. Um, you know, uh, his, his reaction to being back in the world, um, you know, one of the ideas that he is that he and Archer are working together at some point and what leads to that is kind of interesting. You know, is he deceiving him to get there or is Archer, is there a paradox that's been created and Archer's trying to help heal that somehow, you know, um, Mm -hmm. but you know, that's not necessarily as funny, but, but just the idea of like Shatner's funny. Let's just put it that way. (laughs) Shatner's funny. And so, you know, does he have a goatee that's eight feet long because he's been in his prison (laughs) cell forever? Uh, You know, what what, what is it? What is it that that he's going to be doing? How's he going to be reacting to everybody on the crew? You know, what's what's uh, Tiberius, you know, the the mirror Kirk going to do when he sees a dog on board? Um, You know, I I feel like this is one of those where they would just be probably piling on jokes. Um, but I think they could actually work because of who it is that we'd be delivering those. Right. Now, the question still is, how does future guy play into this? <laughs> right. <laughs> if we're messing with the timeline. So th- there was an alternate story pitched. Now, th- this story was pitched by William Shatner and uh, Manny Cotto, Brian Braga, Rick Berman. They all they, he pitched it over lunch with them and uh, it was well received and they, they liked the idea. And part of this story is told by Rick Berman on the Blu-rays. I think it's on the season one Blu-rays, actually. Uh, the details here that come from Judith and Garfield, Reeve Stevens, these came, I believe, from a convention session where they talked about it. Uh, but Berman pitched an alternate concept that uh, would have been fleshed out by Mike Sussman. And it had nothing to do with this whole mirror universe and Tiberius thing here. This one actually had Shatner playing chef Mm. and then Daniels would bring chef into the future to preserve the timeline by successfully posing as James T. Kirk during an important event in history. Now, I don't like this idea at all. (laughs) Yeah, me neither. (laughs) (laughs) I, yeah, I'm, I'm very glad that this one was never developed, but I do wish that the mirror universe one had been developed. Well, you know, they never cool. they never revealed Chef, and that was a big thing that, you know, I don't know. Is it like Pulp Fiction where you open the briefcase and you just see a light and you never know who it is? Um, just the same way you never see Chef. But um, yeah. I think that uh, yeah, this, this does not sound like a good idea. But here's what I'm reading when I read between the lines is that Shatner pitched something. He said, I, I have a great idea. Not only is it great, it's two episodes. And they said, oh, this sounds really interesting. And he said, by the way, this is what you need to pay me. <laughs> well, that did happen. Yeah. Right. And then they said no. Yeah. And so maybe they came back with this. Okay. Well, here's a single episode. It's more of a cameo. You're going to get paid, you know, maybe in more of a featured role than, yeah. than a co star in this particular episode. And yeah, here's something we can do that's a little cheaper. We can still be part of it. So it's almost like the studio said, well, figure something else out that is less expensive and, and, and get him in there that way, um, which honestly would have been a waste. It you would know, have been a waste. Yeah, I, I don't want to see it if, if it's done that way. But that is what happened. Rick Berman, he he tells a story on the Blu-rays that he went into the office there and and he got laughed out of the office because William Shatner wanted, I think he said it was like 20 times day rate 
for the for the episode and the executives just like yeah whatever <laughs> that's not gonna happen <laughs> uh move along so yeah so that did happen but uh it, w- it would have been cool yeah i think that w- I, I think it would have been fun i you know at the same time it it could have been a distraction if it if it if if it wasn't handled really carefully, I think it could have been a big distraction to have. Anytime you have somebody come in, it you know um, ruins, it takes you out of the universe a little bit and ruins some of that believability. Yeah, um, and then this is a canon nightmare, right? This this <laughs> people got upset about True. some very small things that happen. <laughs> True. Either one of these ideas, the mirror universe or William Shatner, you know, being a just happening to look exactly like, um, well. Let me turn that around. Chef having to look, having to look exactly like Kirk. Both of those, I think, the fans would have had a field day with, uh, in terms of, you know, someone would have loved it and someone else would have found a reason why that didn't work. Well, I think that as the majority of the Star Trek fan base dislikes Enterprise, or certainly kind of doesn't get into the series anyway, the idea that Captain Archer was responsible for the Mirror Universe's existence would probably not have set very well with a large (laughs) segment of the fan base yeah yeah although on the flip side having shatner on there might have saved the show who knows you know who knows knows? that might have that might have brought an audience who said oh wait i just kind of hated this on principle and it turns out i actually like it right right well another tos connection that uh sort of we did end up getting a little bit but but not in the way that they had originally considered is colonel green now we saw colonel green in the Savage Curtain, right near the very end of TOS. And, of course, Colonel Green fought on the side of evil in the battle that the ex-Calbians pit uh, Kirk along with Abraham Lincoln mm-hmm. <laughs> against the evil forces. And it was Colonel Green, Kalas, Zora of Tiburon, who was an evil scientist who performed inhumane experiments on her people, and Genghis Khan. And Colonel Green, for the you have to like really dig into Star Trek to even know who Colonel Green is because he just does only appear uh, in that episode. And then we we know a little bit about we see the emblem actually in Encounter at Farpoint, I believe it is in the uh, the um, trial scenes mm-hmm. uh, post World War Three trial scenes with Q. But he was a military leader during World War Three, and he was the leader of these eco-terrorists who caused the death of 37 million people. And then he also ordered hundreds of thousands of people who were sick from radiation after World War III to be euthanized so that the um, deformations and things caused by the radiation would not be passed on to the next generation of the human race after the war. So he was kind of a a nasty character, and he's someone who Paxton, who we saw in Demons and Terra Prime, was a follower, and and Paxton actually quotes Colonel Green as well in that episode. And so the the idea here is that they would have brought him back, and Manny Koto's original desire was to use Colonel Green in the Augment arc as the, the villain, Boy, I don't know. Um, I, I, it could have been interesting. I think uh, I think it's probably maybe smart that it didn't fit into the Augment arc in the sense that um, it just would have been even a little more busy in a way, and a little mm-hmm. denser. Like a lot less less people would have understood what was happening. Well, soon would not have been there. It would have been only Colonel Green instead. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Um, oh, you, are you, wait, are you, you're just saying instead of... Uh, what, instead of Eric Soong, it would have right. been right. Colonel Green, yeah. I guess I'm saying, you know, we spent so much more time with, with all the Soongs, um, yeah. you know, that I think people will get that reference more than the, the Colonel Green reference. And Definitely. so, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. th- I think swapping that out makes a lot of sense. One of the things, though, that, that I, I think that Enterprise, I don't know if they're guilty of it exactly. I, I like it in some ways, but a lot of the villains are, are almost bureaucratic villains in a way. Mm-hmm. You know, they're 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 sneaking and they're doing things, and um, they're they're you have know, a lot of machinations going on, but they aren't necessarily just pure evil. Um, and this would be somebody who'd be pretty freaking evil, you know? <laughs> right, right. Um, and a pretty clear good bad divide, and somebody you'd know right away that you you know you'd be unhappy. It'd be cool in that sense, but. I don't know if this is something that I feel I have any feeling about one way or the other outside of that. Yeah. I I feel like I would not have wanted to see Colonel Green as part of that augment arc. I think that augment arc mm-hmm. works largely because of Brent Spiner and because of the connection with Soong. And and you're already connecting it to Khan mm-hmm. in a way as well. And so we really don't need Colonel Green to be involved there. What I would have liked to have seen in terms of Colonel Green, I love the fact that Manny Cota wanted to mine this reference from the original series and and expand upon it in the past timeline because it, it does play into what led to the Earth that we know, which is even hinted at on The Next mm-hmm. Generation in uh, both Encounter at Farpoint and All Good Things in those trial scenes. However, I, I would have wanted to see it tied in more to the next thing that we have on the list here, which is Martian independence, and specifically the fact that Paxton was a follower of Colonel Green's ideology. So I don't think you necessarily bring Colonel Green into the picture as a person who is there. Uh, you know, like working with Paxton, but Paxton could have um, maybe it, had, it could have been archival mm-hmm. footage, or it could have been other things that he's quoting that give a stronger connection to Colonel Green as part of a continuing Martian independence story. Yeah, I think I like that a lot better because uh, just trying to bring in characters who were mentioned other places and they all have to be out of time somehow um, doesn't always make sense. And uh, that whole World mm-hmm. War Three has been hinted at in, at least in the shows quite a bit, but now, you know, there's not a lot, there's a lot of information that still, could still come out about that. That would be interesting. And so I think that, I think mm-hmm. that'd be a good balance there. Um, and, and like you said, you sort of alluded to, to the next undeveloped script, which is the Martian independence. And, you know, essentially what, what he was trying to do there was, um, well, like it says, they, they want to declare their independence, but it, it comes out almost to be like a Cuban Missile Crisis type situation. So, mm-hmm. you know, Earth right, has right. this really delicate balance to aim for and, and they can't, you know, how, 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 how diplomatic are you versus how much military strength do you need to show? Um, and then it had something to do with the, the comets being used as weapons. They were terraforming Mars with comets. I don't I don't know if I remember terraforming that. Terraforming Mars, yeah. The... Yeah, they, they th- that was going on, and it had to do with yeah redirecting the comments. But that that was kind of an unrelated 
project. That was like an Earth project. Is that, is that from which, the is that from which the is, books or something? I mean, I, I don't remember that being in the series. No, it's mentioned. It's mentioned in Demons and Terra Prime in that oh, story. Okay. I must have just yeah. <laughs> forgotten the comet thing altogether. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's because Peter Weller's performance sucked you in so much that you weren't really concerned about those comets. Anymore. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, and in, interestingly here, Manny Cota wanted to have Peter Weller play Colonel Green if they had put Colonel Green into the Augment arc. But instead, of course, Peter Weller plays Paxton in Demons and Terra Prime. And I'm having trouble imagining... Well, I think Demons and Terra Prime are two of the best stories in Enterprise and together make one of the best stories in all of Star Trek. And I think Peter Weller's performance is very critical to making that story work. And if they had used him as Colonel Green, it would have really changed everything to come after that. And we we wouldn't have had demons in Terra Prime as we know it right now. Yeah, his presence was pretty much perfect for those episodes, I thought. in terms, It was really yeah. well cast. And so I do feel like that Colonel Green casting might have been a little bit of a waste. I mean, he also would have been great in that, I assume, mm-hmm. too. But, you know, that wasn't sort of the the you know the finale of the series and that wasn't trying to build to all these bigger ideas coming together but the idea of martian independence i did you and i talk about that when we talked about the season five storylines that we would like to see i don't recall if we really got into it but i definitely i love the idea of martian Mm -hmm. independence i love the idea that as earth as as humans spread into the solar system that each world that we settle even if it's the neighboring planet like Mars, is going to want its independence. You know, because it's it's just we're in space now, but it's a colonial situation. And it's only natural that they're going to want their independence. And that's yet another of those obstacles that it takes to to get to the utopian future that Roddenberry saw uh, that that I always want to see more of in Star Trek. Yeah, I think that's one of those situations that um you know, when militaries set up colonies, you never have that problem because it's all under military rule. When it's colonists out mm-hmm. there trying to set up their own society, it's a whole different thing because now they're defining themselves differently. You know, they, they take a lot of pride in what they're doing for the, you know, f- for the the planet that they're terraforming or that they're building bases on, all those sorts of things. And, and you know, you become your own culture, especially if, if you can't, move back and forth that quickly. Now, you know, Mars, even with lower warp ships, um, you know, with the military, they could have been shuffling people back and forth there. So um, I, I do think it's interesting. And I do think that's that's where some of that debate comes up at, in Star Trek between, you know, is it an exploratory series and mm-hmm. an idea behind everything? Or is it, you know, are they, is, is Star Starfleet, you know, and and the federation and all of those things are they really military and where is the balance between the two of those and one of the big differences you see is militaries hold on to their colonies and civilizations don't necessarily countries mm-hmm. don't necessarily do that mm-hmm. exactly yeah so that would have been nice uh, Manny Cotto did want to do an episode that was dealing specifically with the fundamental declarations of the Martian colonies but uh, unfortunately uh, that never got developed a few of the ideas made their way into Demons and, and Terra Prime. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we have one last thing, Tyler, on the list. And this is kind of a fun one. 
This is a Porthos story, and I call it Flowers for Porthos, only because it reminds me of Flowers for Algernon a little bit, the, the famous story in which a rat becomes super intelligent, at least temporarily. Of course, the rat loses its intelligence, which I don't know if would be part of this. But the idea here is that Porthos would become intelligent and would be the only member of the crew capable of communicating with a canine alien. So even Hoshi apparently couldn't figure out this dog language. Okay, so first of all, <laughs> when when we talked about our other episodes we wanted to pitch, I don't know if you remember, I really pitched Porthos hard in yeah. a number of different things, and I felt uh-huh. like he should be part of everything. So um, that's a pro for me. On the con <laughs> side, um, this is a few years after Cowboy Bebop had been released and was starting to circulate, um, and that's, you know, they had a very smart uh, dog on that show. <laughs> <laughs> and so it feels like a little bit of, rip, of a ripoff in that sense as well. Okay. Um, so more Porthos always good. Smart Porthos who has to communicate with aliens. I'm not so sure. <laughs> I think I could leave that part behind. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just imagine them, you know, landing on Kali 5 or something and they can't talk to the, the leader of the planet and Porthos has to save the day. I don't know. Or or I could see sort of like a Star Wars situation where C-3PO, you know, was gold and they lift him up as their god and they, they see Porthos. <laughs> they, they have giant statues of four-legged things. They've never seen anything four-legged in their lives. You know, they're ho- hoisting him up. <laughs> he saves the day just by being a dog, right? Like he doesn't yeah. do anything special. He just happens to show up and pee on a bush and they go, that's our god. That's our you dog. Know? Thank you. <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't know. Andre Bormanis, who was a science advisor and, and a writer on the show, said that the reason why these stories weren't made was that the production staff didn't want Porthos stealing the show, which uh, I, I can I can see that. I mean, I love dogs. I'm. It's like when I watch Frasier, my eye is always on Eddie, no matter what he's doing in the scene. It's always on right. Eddie. So I can see. Well, that. I don't. I don't know if you know. I've been pitching a, a script around Hollywood quite a bit. It's just called Cat Video, the TV show. <laughs> <laughs> and there's just humans come and go. Doesn't really matter. Just cat videos the entire time. I think it's going to be big. I saw a tweet the other day. There was a poster of a cat, and it just said, "When cats learn to photograph themselves, humans will finally be irrelevant." <laughs> so perfect. Yeah. I get it. Speaking of that, though, now, of course, Data had his cat on The Next Generation, and Data's cat was male. Mm -hmm. But in the episode Genesis, Data's cat apparently becomes female because it's the fact that her amniotic sac and fluid protecting the kittens from this uh, virus that was causing everyone to de-evolve was used to save the crew. Okay, so, so Data's cat had a spontaneous sex change. Now, some people may know that Porthos was a male dog on the show, but was portrayed by a female dog named Breezy. And so Breezy's handler claimed that the story might have also explained Porthos's sex change in a transporter accident. And that's why the male Porthos was played by a female dog. I think there's a different story here, and it's not an episode of Enterprise. <laughs> I think there's a story about why someone who wrote that episode said, I know we have this great female dog, but
but we're not changing the name or, you know, we're, we're, we're going to write her as a male the entire time because we just can't have that. I don't know what that is, what sort of uh, dog's sexism is going on there. Um, dog glass ceilings that are happening, but um, <laughs> I, I don't get it. I guess. <laughs> and I feel Something like it would be fine if, if it had been a girl the entire time as well on screen yeah. in addition to, you know, in the script. Well, but he had to name it after one of the three musketeers. And so therefore it had to be a male dog right. because you wouldn't name a girl dog Porthos. I, I get that's what I'm saying. They fought for that name so hard. And I guess it I yeah. guess it makes sense. But, you know, whatever. That's right. All right. But, but as far as Porthos goes, I would always be game for more stories that featured Porthos. I don't know if I would want him talking to dog aliens, though. Yeah, this is why. OK, here's the thing. We talked about this before and I said, I want more Porthos. I want more Porthos. You know, I think I pitched some elaborate Travis and Porthos episode. Or something, oh, you did. Right? That's right. The Travis Porthos buddy episode. Exactly. Yeah. They're buddy cops of some kind, interstellar buddy cops. <laughs> but um, the, I think maybe if, if these were the pitches they were giving, maybe that's why we didn't get more Porthos episodes because these maybe, are not the cream so. of the crop. I think they could have done better. I think it was, you know, somebody had to, had to, had to have their ideas in the next day and they went, Oh, okay, I've got it. Here's my Porthos episodes. Maybe that was it. All right. Well, that's everything we have on the list of undeveloped stories for Enterprise. Tyler, looking back, do you have a favorite out of any of these? If if you could have had one of these produced, which one would it have been? Oh, man. Well, I like the boomers, uh, but, I, but I think my favorite, and there's, I have no idea where this is going, and this might be why, is, is that whole Pulp Fiction idea. You know, aliens who see them, who see the Enterprise crew from the outside, don't understand what's happening. And then whatever about that makes makes it Pulp Fiction-y um, as one of my favorite movies. I, I think I would, I'd like to see that. I'd like to see what they came up with on that one. How about you, Chris? Part of me wants to say the Tiberius two-parter because I think it would be really interesting, but I'm going to have to go with Floxenstein <laughs> because I think that that could have been turned into a really, really fascinating story. Yeah, I think if, if we wanted if if we wanted Shatner on there, we would have had to have a Kickstarter, and Kickstarter didn't exist yet. So that's, that's yeah. Right. I guess you picked the, the more practical of the two. Can you imagine if if fans did a Kickstarter to get William Shatner on a Star Trek series? <laughs> they would make like a million dollars in the first twelve hours. We could probably do it now. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll I think he has, he has an email address you can get. I'll try emailing him and see what happens. All right. Yeah. 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 Give it, give him a, give him a shout. See what he says about that. <laughs> All right, Tyler. Well, it's been fun talking about these stories with you today, but it's not the only thing we've been talking about on the network this week. So here are some other things you may have missed elsewhere on Trek FM. Previously on Trek.FM, Standard Orbit. Where no man has gone before a comic versus episode. They talk about how we just picked up this psychiatrist from, uh, from Alderbon. Aldib, shoot. Alderaan. This is called Alderaan. Earl Grey. All good things. In a universe where Troy is dead, the Enterprise D lives on. That's all <laughs> I want to say. It's the only thing that matters. The Ready Room. Simple Defense. Ducat recorded messages, obviously, for a lot of different um, scenarios. Isn't it funny <laughs> to think of him, like, you know, whatever, 10 years before this episode, yeah. like, you know, putting a day aside. It's like, I have to do, I have to sit in front of a camera <laughs> and just think of ways they could screw us. The Orb. 
till death do us part. His are, are, are very quizzical in nature. They they're of the scientist. They're of the somebody who who is willing to accept. Okay, where what is this reality? What's going on? She's just all like, tell me what to do right now. You know, like she, right. She, there's nothing spiritual about her. To the journey. Voyager season four marathon. I was working full time on top of being a full time student, and I listen. I don't, I don't want to hear your excuses. Okay, I don't want to hear them. <laughs> Like life was happening, and a great man once told me, "If something's important to you, you make the time." Warp five. Organians on Enterprise. Part of what this episode of Enterprise is about for me is it's the search for the Organian society to to find compassion again. Commentary: Trek stars. Cliff Bull and the X-Files, Bad Blood. It's actually kind of odd because the audience can piece together the narrative flow better than, you know, their boss. That's because their boss didn't have the uh, brilliant direction of Cliff Bull to uh, observe. Literary Treks. Greg Cox, No Time Like the Past. The one thing I had to be very careful of, and this was another sort of potential minefield that I had to navigate, was nobody in Kirk's time knows who the Borg are. So she can't like, oh, hi, I'm seven of nine. I'm a former Borg. You know, they don't know the Borg. She has to be careful not to tell them the Borg. And introducing Continuing Mission, our newest show all about fan series and independent productions. Star Trek continues with Doug Drexler. Everybody who does a Star Trek show in CG, the first thing they do is make the ship 947 feet long. Well, there's no way it's going to look the same because the ship that they shot on television wasn't 2,000 feet long. It was 11 feet long. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out all of these shows and get your daily Trek Talk fix. We have new Trek Talk for you every day of the week, and some days we even have two shows. And you'll find them in a wide variety of places, including on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Windows Phone, Xbox, Zune, or you can download or stream from the website. So go grab some shows and find out what we're talking about in your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe. If you'd like to send us some feedback, send us your thoughts on the show or anything about Enterprise or Star Trek, you can do that in several ways as well. You can go to trek.fm slash contact. There's a form there. Choose to send to a show and choose Warp 5 and that will come to us by email. You can also send us a voicemail through the website or you can go to our forums at trek.fm slash forums to talk to us and other listeners about the show, Enterprise, Star Trek, whatever you want to discuss. So hop on over there. And if social media is your thing, you'll find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash trekfm. And you'll find us tweeting away about Star Trek all the time on Twitter under username trekfm. And while you're out there online, drop by iTunes and leave us a star rating and a written review. If you love the show and want to help other fans find it in iTunes. It's not the easiest thing to find as you search the iTunes store. We'd love to hear from you. It only takes a minute to leave a star rating and a written review. And uh, we'd like to know what you think about the show. So uh, please drop by and help us out there and leave a review. All right. Well, Tyler, I'm glad you were back with me today. It has been a while. I know that you have been extremely busy. I know we're, we're using Section 31 as a cover story, but <laughs> but in real life, I know you've got a lot of stuff going on. And um I know it might be a little while before you're able to join again, but I can't wait till you are back with me. But until then, where can people find you if they want to uh, chat with you about Star Trek or anything else? 
Yeah, well, you my Kickstarter to get me more time to be on more Trek FM shows will be starting soon. But until that, <laughs> until that's up, you can go ahead and tweet me at Flintastic. That's F L Y N T T A S T I C, and um, you know, happy to talk about Trek or whatever else is going on. You can yell at me for Pulp being fiction. on the show or for not having been on long enough, and, and either one of those I'll respond to. <laughs> right, sounds good. All right. If you want to find me, you can find me on Twitter as well. My username is C Brian Jones. That's the letter C and Brian with a Y. You can find me pretty much everywhere in social media under that same username, as well as on my personal website at cbrianjones.com. And then elsewhere on the network, I do quite a few shows. I do Literary Treks with Matthew Rushing, where we talk Star Trek books and comics and we interview authors. Matthew and I also do The Orb together, where we talk exclusively about Deep Space Nine, very much like we talk about Enterprise here on Warp 5. I also have my interview show Matterstream, which is uh, largely about science and social issues and some creatives, things that are inspired by Star Trek. And then I have a new show called Continuing Mission, which is all about Star Trek fan series and independent productions. That show just launched. I had Doug Drexler on the first episode and Alec Peters of Star Trek Axanar on the second episode. So go check that out as well. Before we let you go, we'd like to tell you about our sponsor for today's show. That's Audible.com. They are the best source for audiobooks that you'll find anywhere. They have more than 150,000 titles for you to choose from and new titles coming every week. In fact, they have quite a few of the novels of Judith and Garfield Reeve Stevens, who we mentioned many times during the show today in audio format. And also they have a lot of William Shatner's novels, his post-Genesis Kirk novels, where Kirk comes back. And as a Trek Film listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice just for trying Audible. And the way you do that is to go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up. Choose any book you want, absolutely free. And if at the end of the trial you decide not to stick with Audible, there's nothing to lose because you get to keep that audiobook. That's yours. But by supporting Audible, you'll be helping us bring Warp 5 to you every week. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And we really thank Audible for their support of the network. And we thank you for supporting Audible. We also wanted to invite you to check out Andrew Allen's album, Smooth Federation. If you like the jazz cover, Where My Heart Will Take Me, here on Warp 5, you'll find that plus nine other jazz renditions of music from across Star Trek. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good album, and there are some surprising pieces on there. Like, there's some themes from Star Trek and films that you, you know, you, you would never expect might work as jazz, but, but it is there. So great stuff by Andrew, so go check it out. And there's one more thing you can do to help us keep Warp 5 coming, and that is to make a donation to the network. The shows are free-free to download, but they're not free for us to produce, so we appreciate any support that you're interested in giving us. And you can do that by going to trek.fm slash donate. You'll find different contribution levels there, as well as original alien illustrations that are available as buttons and art prints. And your support helps us pay for the cost of production, hosting, and bandwidth that's needed to bring the show to you every week. So we really thank you for your support. And again, you'll find those over at trek.fm slash donate. Well, Tyler, thanks again for joining me today. I do hope you'll be back with me soon, both here and hopefully on the ready room as well. But until then, I hope everything goes well for you. Yeah, it's fun every time I'm on here. So uh, thanks, thanks for having me. And I hope to uh, hear from you and hope everyone to hear my voice again soon. Most definitely. And everyone, thanks for listening and join us again next week here in the Decon Chamber for another episode of Warp 5. Thanks, everybody.